Okay, where are you? I'm over here, eh? No. Okay, like, here we are at Peter's Donuts. Oh, take off. We are not. Welcome to Gridiron America from Japan. This is Greg James, your host, and I am here with uh, episode number three. Got Don Charbon and Heath Graham from the Third Down Gamble podcast, and today we are talking Canadian football, which, if you know me, that's my favorite. Of all the football leagues, that is my favorite league, because you can find me, obviously, at CFL America on Twitter. Um, So, welcome, gentlemen. I appreciate you. uh, It is... uh, it's Friday evening there over in Saskatchewan. It's uh, Saturday morning here in Japan. So how cold is it? It's my first question is how cold is it there? We're sitting Celsius about minus 20, which quick calculation is probably high single digits Fahrenheit, I would guess. I just got cold just here in the minus part. And then you put, <laughs> throw a 20 in front of it. I'm like, oh. It's gonna be fifty. It's gonna be about fifty some degrees here, and after we wrap up with the podcast, I'm gonna be uh, heading into a mall downtown Okayama and uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it's it's uh, yeah. I imagine uh, hopefully the weather's gonna warm up soon sooner rather than later. Um, and Don, you uh, you're down there, and I know you're not. Well, you guys are both. You guys are in Saskatchewan. Um, you're not that. I mean, you guys are. You guys, you guys are out in the sticks. So, how uh, how windy does it get this time of year? In terms of wind, it's not that significant. Yes, we are the open prairie, but it's not usually that much to handle. Right. It's more the abject cold at times, and we just went through a warm spell, and now it's dropping to minus thirty tonight. That's what is hard to get used to, especially <laughs> when we're this late in in the winter in yeah. February. Yeah. So, well, guys, a lot has been happening with the offseason. We just finished up, excuse me, <clears throat> CFL uh, free agency. And where are we at with the league right now? If you can kind of just kind of for any for everybody who's listening and even myself, because I've been kind of out of the CFL loop with my move over to Japan and, and uh, following on following X League stuff and our XFL X League stuff. So. Some items in the news that I have missed. So where are we at? Um, how how did CFL free agency go this year? What were some of the big moves? Uh, for the most part, I would say that free agency fell as what we thought it would. The biggest change is probably Trevor Harris, who was the quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes, is now in Saskatchewan. And Cody Fajardo, the quarterback here, has moved to Montreal. Toronto more or less stayed pat. They picked up a couple of defenders from the Stampeders. Stampeders did what they always do, not much. The big changeover was in Hamilton. They've got the Grey Cup game there this fall. 
Tiger Cats are making a push to be in that game again, and so they turned over a lot of their roster. And Bo Levi Mitchell, obviously, is the big name going to, to Hamilton. Um, and also, too, with Toronto, McLeod Bethel-Thompson didn't resign, and now he's coming south to the USFL. Um, to me, that was like the biggest shock. So of all the CFL news that I've seen, aside from the Alouettes going back to the league, to me, that was kind of the biggest shock. I mean, and I've read what I've read, it's been very positive spin, but what, and that's been in the U.S. press down here, in terms of, well, this is great for the USFL, so on and so forth, but how are um, how are CFL fans taking that news and, and what's being set up there? Well, for starters, it appears that it's Chad Kelly time with the Toronto Argonauts. Um, he was the quarterback of note in the Grey Cup that came in for the injured McLeod Bethel-Thompson and led the, the comeback win over the Blue Bombers. The Argonauts themselves seem to be fully supportive of Chad Kelly as the number one guy going into camp. There was a lot of speculation that they were going to push hard to get Dane Evans in a trade from the Argonauts. Didn't happen. He's now gone to BC. As far as McLeod Bethel-Thompson, he's a 34-year-old quarterback. He's been a decent quarterback in the CFL, never the outstanding quarterback in the league. And there was a lot of speculation after the Grey Cup that he was thinking retirement. He was looking at some options south of the border. It didn't really come as a huge surprise, I don't think, to anyone. And if we're losing a 34-year-old, somewhat successful quarterback to the USFL, it's not a huge hit to the league at this point. Um, if a uh, mass exodus continues, it'll start to raise some eyebrows. But at this point, I don't think there's there's too much fear of losing out to the to the USFL or the XFL. Okay. And the big uh, thing with uh, Bethel Thompson was that of course his wife has a contract with Marvel to write for them with their Avengers. That was drawing him back there. And of course being in Canada, he was away from the family for quite a few months of the year. Uh, there wasn't much else that he had to prove in Canada. The Argonauts were winning the Grey Cup last year with him at the helm granted he broke his thumb in the game and that precipitated a change at quarterback for the fourth quarter. McLeod Bethel Thompson did it very classily. He left with a great note saying, thank you for everything. The Argonauts themselves are quite content with what happened. They were hoping that he would come back, but they do have Chad Kelly, Ben Holmes under contract they may look at another quarterback to bring into camp. They seem to be okay with it. Okay. Okay. And then obviously the other big loss at quarterback for the CFL was my personal favorite. And the guy who uh, was my number one pick in my CFL fantasy draft last year, Nathan Rourke. And uh, he's headed to Jacksonville. Hopefully he's going to sign up, you know, make it as a backup to, um, make it as a backup for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What was the reaction of that? Because to me, that was one of those news items where over here in Japan, I got, you know, it popped right up and I'm like, oh. So, um, and again, I was think, be, thinking very selfishly because he was, he was, he was in my keeper league. <laughs> the news was not a surprise. He really? auditioned for quite a few NFL teams. The reason that he took 
Jacksonville, from what I can gather, is that there are ex-CFL quarterbacks there that are in the coaching staff, so he felt he had a better opportunity to grow, gain an opportunity. He did light up the league last year. It was phenomenal what he did. People can say that they saw it coming, but no, no one saw this coming. And full credit to him. He put in the effort, the time. He was very, very strong-willed developing his passing so that he could become more accurate. He deserves everything that he can find south of the border. Whether right. he stays or not is another question. Well, and he left on good terms too, it sounds like. He did. It's an interesting situation for CFL fans and the league where you've got a Canadian-born quarterback who played U.S. ball. He did come up here and light up the league. And from a markability standpoint, it's tough to lose someone like him. He was he was young and successful and he was going to be the face of the CFL had he remained. At the same time, most CFL fans tend to understand the reason why he decided to look south of the border for opportunities. Financially, it's a huge difference. Right. And I think all of us are rooting for him to succeed. We would love for him to come back, lead the BC Lions to glory and, and light up this league and change the record books for Canadian quarterbacks and quarterbacks in general. But at the same time, we're all rooting and we want to see what he can do if he gets the chance to get some meaningful snaps in the NFL. Yeah. And and you mentioned it. I mean, let's just say he does get in, you know, like he does light it up in the NFL. Well, during every broadcast, every other word is going to be CFL, CFL. So, I mean, the exposure even for the league, even though he's not in the CFL, but by him being in the NFL, having played in the NFL, I'm sorry, having played in the CFL, it, it's only good that that's that's just it's a net positive for for the for the CFL. Um, Cameron Wake, if you think back a few years ago, he when you the television would have those little bumpers and they'd say my name is and whatever just right. as the first snaps were being uh, held, and Cameron Wake would always say British Columbia Lions. Yeah. So there is that connection to the CFL. The the thing for Nathan Rourke ultimately is that his window is tight in terms of his opportunity. I've been hearing a lot lately that 28 seems to be the number where if you're still not in the NFL, you're probably not going to be in the NFL. So you want to make your mark before that age. He's young. He's got that going for him. He the Los Frank injury should not be a, a problem for him to be mobile. Hopefully it works out well. But you're right, it does make the CFL in terms of its marketing that way uh, a little bit better because yes, there are quality athletes up here that rightfully could play NFL football. Right. And and that perception has changed a lot fairly recently. Boomer Esiason aside, I think most Oh, NFL don't get me going about Boomer's take on the CFL. <laughs> Most commentators are are aware of the quality of play. Years ago when Doug Flutie had his success up here and then went to the Buffalo Bills, listening to NFL broadcasts, it was like he had vanished for seven years. Yeah. They talked about his time throwing his Hail Mary pass for Boston College. They talked about his time in the USFL, his early stint in the NFL. And then there's this gap in his resume. You're not getting that anymore. You're getting... right. They're they're talking about that CFL franchise and the the couple of years a guy cuts his teeth up here before heading south of the border and that's great for the league and the visibility. Yeah, 
And, and two, I mean, we live in a day and age now where everything is on, everything's streamed, everything's on. I mean, everything is accessible. So you, you don't fa- fall down that information black hole where to go because it's all right there. I mean, all of us can access it in the palm of our hands. YouTube is available to just about everybody on the planet. And if you Google CFL on YouTube, you'll find all kinds of videos, not only promoting players, promoting uh, the league itself, but just going back and looking at old games, looking at Nathan Rourke when he was tearing the league apart. It's all there. So the information highway is just expanding and the CFL is catching on to that highway albeit a little bit slow, but it is happening. Yeah. Well, you know what? And and now that you mentioned it, so kind of take a turn. Let's talk about, I kind of want to, if we can, kind of just maybe just briefly go to each town and team and where are they at kind of on the up, on the down. So let's start out West. So talking about the BC Lions, you got to hit a new owner come in. Definitely has put some effort into it. Where are the BC Lions now? They seem to be tracking up, even even though even with the loss of Nathan Rourke. BC Lions have Vernon Adams Jr. as their quarterback. Now they've brought in Dane Evans. If people remember a few years ago when Dane Evans showed up in Hamilton, he took the job of Vernon Adams Jr. So right. Vernon Adams may be wondering about this. But the Lions, I think, are in great shape. They've got a great receiving core, a strong offensive line. Their defense is stout. They should be fine. Omar Daman has been fantastic as an owner. He has revitalized fan interest. Went to a game there last year, and it was unbelievable, the energy around the stadium. He really has worked hard to reconnect that team to its base, and already the dividends are starting to show. And attendance has improved. Massively. Um, Going on to Edmonton. Where is Edmonton? Edmonton is, you know... I'll Heath. <laughs> uh, so Edmonton, this is now year two of the Chris Jones era coming up. Uh, famously, he had success in Edmonton previously, went to Saskatchewan, right. left there, had a little drink of water in the NFL, has now come back. What he's known for is blowing things up his first year and finding diamonds in the rough. We're going to see what's going to happen this year because he had a ton of player turnover in his first season. He had he was bringing guys into camp throughout the season, competing for jobs. They've got a really solid receiving core. Taylor Cornelius is the, the quarterback going into the season. They've got Trey Ford, another Canadian quarterback, as their second string guy. Cornelius is a very interesting watch. He's tall, lanky, speedy. Um, he's played for some of the I believe he was with the uh, the Vipers in the XFL previously uh, before coming back up here. Chris Jones is known for his defense, and he doesn't have the star quarterback of the league, but he's got a lot of tools in place. This is make or break. Their their biggest problem is they haven't won a home game in two years. Yeah. yeah. Um, Victor Kui has taken over as president of the organization, and they are trying to re-engage with fans as well. You can get... Uh, season tickets for a family of four, two adults, two kids for 300 bucks right now, nice. which is going to be huge to bring that fan base back. Oh, well, they're going to be, bring back uh, the cheap beer night because that, uh, if you guys remember several years ago when they did that, they had like 40,000 in the stadium. Now, granted, 20,000 were in the beer garden, but still, 
there were a lot of people. Um, so, I mean, and I, I follow Victor on, you know, we all follow Victor probably on, on social media. So he does engage with the fans. I know he's been on the, um, he's been on uh, the turf district. Talk to those guys. Um, has he been with you guys yet? Yes. When, uh, how long ago, how long ago was that show? That was about almost a year ago. Okay. Just when he had started in the position and he was sort of getting his feet wet as it were. Chris Jones was hired. He was coming into that situation and he was really kind of looking for the challenge. This, this is a guy that knows business. He's built empires from the ground up. He, he's very familiar with hard work and he's not afraid of it. And do you see him, him and the, um, and I can't, I'm it's early morning and the owner out in BC, do you see this as kind of the new breed of owners coming in uh, of, of people in charge that are going to be able to take this league to where we want it to, where we want it to be. Very much so. Um, one thing that Amar has done in BC for their season opener last year, they had a, a rock concert prior to the game. So you had people showing up for the concert and sticking around for football. And that was, that was a reason to get them in the stadium and it worked. And both him and Victor Kui have done a great job of being very transparent too. They've come in and, and not tried to sugarcoat anything. Um, one of the things Victor Kui is really passionate about is getting that home win. And they've got a guaranteed win night on week one. If they don't win, you can continue to get free tickets until they get a home win. Oh, wow. <laughs> another another great marketing campaign. Yeah, so yeah. they're really thinking outside the box and, and saying, how do we engage that next generation? Right. Get people in here first and then worry about what the tickets cost later. And that's the way to do it. Yeah. And moving South to Calgary. Um, what's, uh, what's it look, what's, what's, what's it looking like in Calgary right now, this coming season, not only on the field, but also with the owners, uh, ownership and, um, new stadium. I mean, I know, um, you know, we hear a lot on just, you know, obviously the Stampeders have been playing the same ballpark for forever. So, um, what's going on down? What's it going on over there? The ownership group is strong. They also own the Calgary Flames. They're right. deep pocketed. There's no issues there. They are trying to work out a deal, and it seems to go back and forth between retrofitting the stadium and moving the franchise closer to downtown. McMahon Stadium is in a fantastic spot right now. There's a major highway that accesses it you can get there with the uh, c train as they call it in calgary quite easily so it's very easy to access the problem for the stadium is that the underground the 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 walkways the concourses are just so old and they just need a massive refresh and in calgary too the nights get cold that that's elevation It, it might be an idea to maybe roof part of the stadium keep some of the the heat in i don't know but uh there's a lot of discussion because the calgary flames the nhl team are also looking for a new home and the two are tied together quite closely so we'll see what comes of that in terms of the team itself john huffnagel has now moved up to president uh the head coach uh, dave dickinson is now general manager they tend to be very quiet on free agent uh tuesday they were again this year uh, Julian Hauser from the Tiger Cats defensive line was probably their biggest signing. Maybe Micah Awe linebacker, but uh, it, it's uh, 
it's a situation where they have to find a way to live without Bo Levi Mitchell. Right. Jake Mayer is now the quarterback of note. He guided them for most of last season. He, it's his team to to operate, and they've got tons of weapons. Their receiving core is probably going to be upgraded with talent that they have already signed, not through free agency. Their offensive line is strong. The Stampeders will be good. There is little doubt of that. Right, and they're always. I mean, let's face let's let's face it. They've always been. They've they've always competed for that division, as long as I can remember. Um, it, it's weird now now though to see Bo Levi Mitchell not on the team though. For me, that's 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 going to take some getting used to. Um, and moving on to your neck of the woods, your Rough Riders. Well, Saskatchewan is in trouble. Uh, they did bring in Trevor Harris to probably steady the quarterbacking issues that they were facing last year. This team gave up the most sacks of any team in the CFL by a wide margin last year, over 75. The upgrades that they made, of course, offensive line, but they did get beat up with the receiving core. They did make some minor free agent signings that helped them out. Uh, Juwan Breskison, uh, Jake Wanicki were the two of note, but they, they're not, they don't have that deep threat, that guy that's going to you know tear the right. lid off the defense. The other side of the equation, everything seems to be pretty much okay except the defensive line. I think there are a couple holes up there that they have to address. The big question in Saskatchewan, of course, is you've got the head coach, Craig Dickinson, and the general manager, uh, Jeremy O'Day, both on expiring contracts. It's not exactly a, a huge marketing tool to bring players in when you don't know who your boss is going to be the following year. Right, right. And Heath, let's move it over to, to your uh, your favorite team, uh, the Blue Bombers. First of all, uh, what happened? I mean, uh, I uh, in Japan. So the day of the, the day of the Grey Cup, the day of the Grey Cup here. Um, just the way the timing worked out, I had to check out at the third quarter after the third quarter to deal with uh, city hall paperwork here. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, Blue Bombers got this. And then I turn around and I'm like, what the heck? So so where <laughs> where are we at with the Blue Bombers coming in? Well, coming into the season, I won't. We don't even <laughs> need to do, to revisit what happened with with that fourth quarter. But we're um we're we're, we're if you want, unless you want to. Um, <laughs> all, all that I'll say about the Grey Cup is after a 29-year drought, had they not won the previous two, I would have been a lot more upset with the result. Right. Um, Toronto beat them. You know, I, I thought Janarian Grant ran that punt back. I thought, here we go. This is this is going to wrap things up. And all props to, to Chad Kelly and the Argonauts. They they came down and, and beat them. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and and poke holes in anything it was right. a great game yeah we were yeah. don and i were both in attendance it was cold and it was a, a fun atmosphere and a really good time um the bombers this year they have basically re-upped and uh and moving on i think coach mike o'shea has done a phenomenal job of building a culture in winnipeg that players want to be a part of we can't really talk much about free agency because so many of the key players re-upped before free agency right. opened. The biggest re-signing or new signing, I guess, would be Kenny Lawler coming back to Winnipeg after spending a year with the Edmonton Elks. 
they're they're essentially losing Greg Ellingson, who was only in Winnipeg for one year, and picking up the leading receiver from 2021 to complement the leading receiver from 2022 in Dalton Schoen. And one of the big surprises was they managed to find some money to get Rashid Bailey back. We thought he was going to be a loss in free agency. He sees what the potential is in Bomberland and says, I want to be a part of it. I'm going to take a little bit less money. So that receiving core with Kenny Lawler being kind of that deep threat is very stacked. Nick Dembski is one of the top Canadian receivers in the league. Drew Wolotarski is a, a sure hands guy to go along with, with Sean and Lawler. Zach Claris re up for three years. Adam Big Hill on defense yeah. re-signed a long co- contract. Those two guys on the ends of the defensive line, Jefferson and Jeff Coat. The only question marks are defensive secondary and father time. They're a year older. A lot of these key veterans are now well into their 30s. Stanley Bryant won another Outstanding Lineman Award, but he's in his late 30s now. How much does he have left? And uh, right now, I would still say they're the, the team to beat in the league, but father time is undefeated. Right, right. Well, with all that said, I mean, to me, I'm not somebody asked, um, forget who asked me the other day. Well, who are you going to pick for this? I go, the Bombers. I mean, they've, hey, for all the reasons you just said, they're still the, the team, I would, you know, odds on favor to to not only go to the Grey Cup, but win the Grey Cup. And if they play Hamilton, Toronto has a seven Grey Cup win streak now, I believe. Yeah. They haven't lost in seven appearances. Winnipeg beats Hamilton in the Grey Cup. So, that's uh, that's the trade-off there. Is we we lost to Toronto last year, but we've beat Hamilton right seven out of ten or eight out of ten times that we played in the Great Cup. It's a yeah. ridiculous stat. <laughs> well, on, uh, moving on to Ham. Speaking of which, moving on to Hamilton, a uh, lot of changes there, uh, specifically at the QB position. Um, which one of you guys you get? Uh, Dan. I believe I Mitchell was a huge get. They got him through trade. They had to renegotiate to get him under contract for this year. They got him for three. He's huge. He's a winner. He he will motivate anyone around him to go along for the ride. He is fantastic, I think, for the Tiger Cats. The the get of Tim White through getting a contract extension was big because he needs someone to throw the ball to. The Tiger Cats where I'm wondering is they've given up on a couple of uh, pieces in this defensive secondary to sign Bo because of the salary cap crunch that they were under. This is what could be their undoing a little bit, but Orlando Steinauer is, and Washington, his defensive coordinator. One of the things they've been able to do is pull talent and make them work together on that defense. And if, they want to be in the Grey Cup. They're going to have to do that. The offense will take care of itself. Mitchell will easily put up 20 to 25 points a game without even blinking. And um, do you see them You see them back in the playoffs this year? I think Hamilton is think, a legitimate. In turn, legitimate well, I, I take that back. Let me rephrase that. You see him winning the division. That is going to be tough because okay. there's a double blue team in the way. Yeah, yeah. Which is my next is the next team up, uh, Heath. Well, I'm just going to chime in quickly on Hamilton as sure. well. And and one of the things that we have seen in the CFL is 
going out and making big splashes in free agency can take a year to kind of see it to fruition. And right. we see that with, as we mentioned, the Edmonton Elks, we'll get to the Red Blacks as well. They were kind of the big free agent spenders last season. It's hard to get, you can sign an all-star roster, but they've got to work together. Um, but moving on to the Argonauts, as we mentioned, the biggest loss is McLeod Bethel Thompson is gone. It looks like it's Chad Kelly time. There's a couple of other key players that uh, were big splashes last year that are gone. Brandon Banks and Ja'Garrett Davis. They have brought Andrew Harris back for a, a swan song. He has announced that this will be his last season. Um, you know he would like to get, he's now won three straight Grey Cups, two with Winnipeg, one with Toronto. Right. You know he wants another another crack at it here as well. It looks on paper at least that it's going to be a Toronto-Hamilton race for the top of the East Division. Repeating as, as, as it always is, never, is yeah. yeah. Repeating as champions is never easy either. It's a, it's right. a tall task. We know Hamilton's going to be motivated with the Grey Cup in their own backyard, but nothing motivates Toronto like spoiling a Hamilton party. Yeah, yeah. And then moving on up north to Ottawa, where uh, you think the Red Blacks? I mean, they were looking good towards the end of last season, starting, but they they're still they're still a hot mess. If it just from my take on everything. Uh, or okay. Yeah, I can take that. One. Sorry, just okay. one second. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the biggest thing for Ottawa, I had picked them to be in the playoffs last year and was was way wrong. But a big part of that was starting quarterback Jeremiah Mazzoli got hurt fairly early in the season, a devastating knee injury that took him out for the duration. Mm-hmm. He has re-signed for an additional two years. They had a, a coaching change in there as well. They seem to be really happy with the moves they made two years ago in free agency, and this is right. the time for the for them to make pay dirt. Um, Devontae Dedman is a explosive kick returner. He's going to be back. He came partway through last season after a little uh, taste of the NFL. So special teams is one of their strong points. Jeremiah Mazzoli, as I said, has led teams successfully in the past. He's going to be a big part of seeing them into the playoffs. I think they're going to be much improved from where they were last year. That second, third, and fourth in the East could be really tightly contested. It could come down to the last couple of games for the playoff spots. Yeah, And plus, they do have the Fred Bolitnikoff of the CFL on that team. Western Illinois alum, Jalen Acklin. And he had a breakout season last yeah. year. Um, you know, we, we saw flashes in his, his first couple seasons in the league, and he was one of the best receivers last year. Another one of those guys with great hands. He's not necessarily going to blow you away with speed, but if you get it in right. his direction, he's coming down with it. Yeah, and as somebody who went to Western Illinois, it's that's the one thing. Hey, Western, anytime, you know, I hear, but when I first saw him play and I heard him, like, oh, wow. But, you know, the thing is, you get a lot of great ta- He's the He's emblematic of the talent that you find at the small schools, the schools that nobody's ever heard of. And just to me, it's, you know, I'm, um, I know at Western Illinois, you know, an alumni newsletter, it seems like he's always, they're always mentioning him somewhere in, in that alumni newsletter, very proud of him. Um, and he's got a long, I think he's got a long career ahead of him. But like you said, he had a, a great season. Hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, this year it gets him to get him to the playoffs. And one of the, um, 
Oh, go sorry ahead. to interrupt. No, one, of, one of the discussion points that has been going on is with the advent of the two spring leagues, the USFL and the XFL, right. the talent pool, is it going to be pulled away? And one of the things that Chris Jones said to TSN was that it's time for the CFL to look at smaller schools because there's a lot of talent out there. We just have to work harder to find it. Right. And I think he's quite right in that, that you can find a lot of quality people and a lot of quality players. They don't have to come from, you know, the college bowl circuit. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that back way back when, when the American football league was uh, looking at the uh, historically black colleges in the States uh, and you look at the talent, you know, the hall, the hall of fame talent that came out of it. There's a lot of talent and, you know, we'll get into this after we, we talk about the Alouettes, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of football talent out there yet to be, yet to be discovered. So, okay. So moving on to number nine here, and I guess we're going to save the, uh, the Alouettes and that's, you know, again, when I mentioned about the red blacks kind of being a hot mess, well, we got a hot mess with ownership now with the Alouettes and, um, but has that that apparently has not affected the free agency signings or anything? It sounds to me like just on the face of it, you know, uh, the GM coaches are taking care of their business, and uh, the ownership is now with the league. So where where are we at with everything? The, you're right. the The league has now taken control of the Alouettes. It did impact free agency though, because okay. Eugene Lewis. Uh, Trevor Harris both kind of walked without knowing what was happening with the franchise. Okay. The CFL essentially took over on the 14th of February, and that was pretty much free agent day. Okay. Now, in the CFL, you've got a week-long window to negotiate, and if the Alouettes weren't able to do much at that time because there was limbo, then that did impact them. Having said that, though, they did come out of free agency well enough with right. the signings that they did make and they didn't lose much in terms of defense and offensive line the league by taking control of the situation they've reinstated the club president they will be sold at some point sooner probably than later uh, park lane investment bankers are the people that are vetting the prospective owners the, that group has had a long tradition and a strong tradition of working with major leagues such as the NHL. They've worked with teams in the NFL such as the Bengals. So they're, they know what they're doing when it comes to this. The league has sort of, I think, in their mind, set a, a, a launch point of preferably before training camp, but if not sometime okay. in the early part of the season. The Alouettes, uh, we've... We're at this before the league owned them through 2019 or 2020. Mm -hmm. No, 2019. Sorry. Yeah. And they got sold to Sid Spiegel and, and Gary Stern. And unfortunately for Sid Spiegel, he passed away prior to ever seeing the team play. And that was a very unfortunate circumstance. Gary Stern wasn't certain that he wanted to increase his 25% share. That put some, uh, wheels in motion the cfl this time was very proactive the alouettes will be okay it's just going to take a little right. bit of time they want to get the right people you want to look yeah. at british columbia for instance and say we need people like that right right and montreal i mean montreal is a great market being in you know my uh 
and that kind of leads me into the next part of this discussion about the league itself and the business of the league and you know what you know so just kind of follow me along here so we'll start with Montreal so when I was in Montreal in November it was the week it was the first week of the Great Cup playoffs and I went every every little souvenir shop in the old city section and even where we were staying Man, Montreal Canadiens, Montreal Expos. You, you know, I I only found one Montreal Alouettes hat, and it was my it was my favorite type. What um, Heath kind of is wearing the the relaxed fit, and um, I could only find one. Is the league is the league? Do you think the league's going to start step up the marketing here with to engage? Because we kind of talked earlier about engagement of fans and there's a whole group of fans that the CFL needs to attract that being younger, younger to, you know, to, I mean, we're eight, all of, you know, we're, we're older. So, I mean, we're locked in, we've got our CFL stuff, but to bring in newer fans is what's the league doing currently is Don or, or, or Heath? Mario Ciccini, who is the president of the Alouettes, he's been very proactive in trying to entice new markets to the mm-hmm. Owls. The Toronto Argonauts have been really marketing youth. The league as a whole is starting to, because everybody got crushed by the pandemic, the league as a whole, though, is starting to work its way out of it. The Alouettes' ownership situation is unfortunate, but it's nothing, I think, overly distressing. Right. Coming online now is Genius Sports, and this is one of the contracts they had signed while they had the hiatus. Mm -hmm. And Genius Sports, of course, one of their things is marketing, bringing more fan engagement. This is the year that we're going to start to see their involvement grow exponentially as they start to figure out how to work with the CFL, how to promote it. We should see a stronger marketing attempt from them pushing along with the CFL to get the name and the brand out there. And uh, because it's, I mean, does the CFL have something similar to what the NFL has like NFL play 60? So how about a CFL play 60 to, I mean, I know, like you said, the the Argonauts are trying to engage with the youth, but is there anything league wise is the league and, uh, uh, Unfortunately, the NFL has kind of crept into that market in Canada here as well in the youth football. There isn't a big presence. One thing that I've talked about on on our podcast a little bit in the past is when I was 12, 13 years old, and I, I lived about 120 miles from Winnipeg, Trevor Kennard, who was the place kicker at the time, came out to my school and and had a, a Q&A and did some, I think it was a part of a liter- literacy program. I, I won a t-shirt, got my picture taken with him. At 13, I was already about five inches taller than Trevor Kennard. But I, I remember that 30 plus years later. Yeah. And one of the things that the league needs to do is get back to some of that marketing as well. And youth football, it's sad in a way that so many of the youth football programs across Canada have the team names that are the same as NFL teams. And there isn't a Rough Riders and a Red Blacks right. and a Blue Bombers in the youth football. That's, you know, the same thing growing up playing youth baseball. 
everybody wanted to be the Blue Jays in Canada, but you might've been the, the, the Orioles or the Red Sox. So getting that familiarity back is, is one of the things that it's going to take. Yeah. Um, Montreal moving to play at Molson stadium a few years back was a, a big plus as far as the fan engagement in Montreal, yeah. the, the big O outlived its lifespan as a workable stadium and the, the closeness the intimate atmosphere at Molson Percival has been a, a big boon as far as the fan experience. And it's just a matter of getting more people to understand that Montreal is going to be a hockey town. I know we talk about different yeah. cities and, and the Habs are the story in Montreal. Right. But well, if and, enough, Montreal is big enough that there should be football fans to, yeah. to fill that stadium. Well, you know, and I you mentioned it, just talking about the big O, um, do you see the Grey Cup returning to Montreal and being played at the Big O at any time? Because I mean, um, obviously it's a, I mean it, the state. I mean, I would I we I think I drove by it twice when when I was out there. I mean, it from the outside it looks in still in terrific shape. But has there been any talk, any rumors, or any whispers of them going back to Montreal? I haven't heard, and I think at this point it's not feasible without many, many millions of dollars of renovation to get it back up to that okay. standard. I think they've looked at doing other things with the space and it's not set up to host baseball or football at this point. Do you think they would maybe bring it to Percival Molson? I highly doubt it, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. The other thing they could consider is maybe playing where the soccer team plays. You could have a, a special event there. But beyond that, no, I don't. I don't see it because personal Molson is up on a hill. You, the The way you get to it is you take the uh, metro yeah. to about three or four blocks away, and then you climb uphill to get to the stadium. I've, I've walked that hill. That, that's a hill. That's that's almost the, the type of hill where it's like uh, we call them agony and misery in the army. You know, going it was that was uh, that was that was a hard climb. That <laughs> was a hard climb. Um, once you once you get into the stadium the vistas the view of the city of montreal is just immaculate right and you cannot find anything else like that in the city and the stadium itself is very quaint you're very close to the action it it's hard to say i know the previous ownership group there was questions about would you move from molson and they said until it makes sense to leave why would we leave right right and in talking about the gray cup coming back to places it hasn't played in a while. Is the Grey Cup coming back to BC? Yes, in two to three years, I believe. Okay. And um, because that's, of all the, I'm, you know, sitting here thinking, it's like, where, where, the, where is the Grey Cup not been played in a long time? So obviously Montreal um, and at BC play, at a BC place. And so, is that for sure? Has that been locked in, or is that still in the in the talking stages? Twenty twenty four. Nice. It's a for sure. Nice. Um, and in going along, talking about ownership and the major markets and everything, let's talk about Toronto. How is the ownership? Because down here, and this gets into a whole another kind of another subject here. Um, we've got the XFL playing, and for those of you who have not watched the XFL yet. It's kind of what we expect. It's a little bit sloppy football, but it's football nonetheless. Um, very, very much a very hyped up product with very few people in the stands. And it appears to be dwindling ratings, kind of like the first, like 
I posted on Twitter a little bit ago uh, before we hit the record button, actually when I was having my coffee and my breakfast, I go, we've kind of seen this movie before play out. Um, but down here, obviously, God, how long has it been now since they there was the talks between the CFL and, and the XFL? Was it two that, years ago now? That would have been, we had the canceled season in 2020, and a lot of the talk was about what it looks like coming out of that. Right. Um, as far as Toronto goes, they're owned by MLSE, which is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. That also owns the Toronto Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. the Raptors, Toronto FC soccer team. The Argos are kind of the the little brother of, of the MLSE holdings. They're not going anywhere. It's an important partnership to have with TSN, our national sports broadcaster, right. being based in Toronto as well and and involved with MLSE in many facets of what they do. One of the best things that, well, two great things for Toronto is one, Michael Pinball Clemens as president of that club is, as far as CFL goes, as one of the icons in Toronto. He was a yeah. very well-respected and outstanding player throughout the 90s. And two, they won the Great Cup last year. Right. That reinvigorated some interest in the team got fans of in Toronto and it's a massive city. It's one of the largest in North America. So for people yeah. to actually go, Oh yeah, we have a CFL team and they're good again. It was, was a great spark. So I, I don't think it's too big of an issue. And and hopefully that success of last year's great cup is going to turn into more eyes on the team this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know with pinball Clemens, I mean, you couldn't have picked a better, I mean, if John Candy were still alive, obviously he would be, whether or not he was part owner or even affiliated with the team, he'd still be the face of the franchise, at least for Americans down here. Um, now with Chad Kelly playing, obviously his his uncle was, you know, Jim Kelly with the Buffalo Bills. Um, with the NFL, has there been any... I mean, I don't foresee the NFL make, trying to expand to Toronto, and I don't think it, there's any talk going on. But when it came to the XFL, you know, the rumors of them, the the Argos jumping ship to the XFL, um, what was that based on? Do you guys know? I mean, other than maybe somebody said something to somebody third hand, I mean, I, I still don't. Prior to us coming on, I was just doing research and everything and looking around, and there's still, if you do a, run the search engines, they're still out there, XFL, Argos to the XFL talk. Um, or at least there was. What Do you know what that was based on? I've never had it substantiated. I've never heard anyone from MLSC come out and categorically state yeah. it, that they were interested. I think it was part of, because of the whole business of the XFL and the CFL entering into a, you know, talking about talking, as Randy Ambrosi put it. The whole idea was, okay, if they're going to do that, maybe they want to grab the major markets. Right. So that would be Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. Beyond that, I've never heard any modicum of interest from MLSC okay. that they that was something they really wanted to do. They Their big thing is they, they want to evaluate their franchises. This is, this is their business. Yeah. And, and the Argonauts right now need to grow as a, as a franchise. So shoving them to the XFL was maybe a thought, but more than likely they're looking to the CFL and saying, okay, if we're going to be here, how do we make this work? Right. Right. Um, 
Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Heath. And one of the other things that, that I think led to some of this fuel was when the two organizations started talking, XFL, CFL, we weren't getting a lot of transparency, but they were saying nothing is off the table at this point. Right. So when you leave it that open-ended, rumors are going to fly. And and somebody yeah. took a nugget of that and said, what if this happens and somebody else ran with it? Right. And that's, and you know, and I'm thinking about it. It's kind of like back in my, when I was doing, you know, I was in the military with, I was an intelligence officer. We'd have that happen all the time. Somebody would get a little nugget of truth or rumor. And then next thing you know, I'm briefing it as, you know, somebody's, you know, I'm like, yeah, but we don't know. Just pure speculation. But the one thing that we don't have to speculate on is the numbers. And the numbers not only of asses in the seats, which, let's face it, for, for Toronto gets frustrating when you watch it, you know, football in a half-empty stadium in a major, you know, size of Chicago. It gets frustrating as a CFL fan. But with that said, CFL ratings with TSN have remained pretty much consistent. I mean, those have not fallen. Am, am I correct? The Grey Cup did great on television. Yeah. The uh, numbers were there. I think especially in the fourth quarter as the game became chaotic, more eyes were glued to the uh, television to see what was going to unfold. Right. And you weren't disappointed because everything that could have happened did. The The bigger thing is you got to remember this, that TSN and, and Rogers basically own MLSE. Mm-hmm. And TSN is heavily invested in the Canadian Football League. They have to have Toronto. They want Montreal. They want Vancouver because they've got advertisers right. that are looking to hit those markets and they want to be able to deliver. Right. That's why the Alouettes will get their ownership situation sorted. They will be under a new group coming up probably by season start. I would think anytime as Farhan Lauji put it, anytime it goes quiet in the discussions about ownership means something is close. Right. The um, for TSN, that's part of what they need and they can do well with it. The Argos attendance has been coming back. This is okay. a sort of an untold story, but granted a couple of years ago, it was atrocious, but it is moving back. And in fact, in the East final this year, they had over 21,000 people screaming for that football game. And that, that stadium, that's a huge number. And I can't imagine how loud it was in there because the way that stadium's constructed, the noise just comes down from the roof and drops on top of you. Yeah. It would be unbelievable to try to play in that. So it's it's everything the way it sounds to me and talking with both you guys, everything's kind of tracking back up. The numbers were were out of that pandemic downturn and we're kind of tracking up really across the league. Um so with all that said, and do you see because I thought I read something where Randy Ambrosi was talking about um, talking about TV down here, exposure down, not I want to say down here. I'm, I live in Japan now, but down in the States, um, what is the latest with, are they still going to be, is the CFL still going to be an ESPN plus of, um, okay. Well, it's, it's it, Don's, Don's not a yes. So. <laughs> One of the things to watch for with this partnership with genius sports. And I don't know if we touched fully on it is, not only is, G, is 
Virginia Sports hired by the CFL. They've formed, formed a joint partnership. The CFL Ventures is partially a product of Genius Sports. And one of the things they're looking at doing is how to grow fan engagement. You mentioned Western Illinois, Jalen yeah. Acklin. If your online presence indicates that you're an alum of Western Illinois University, Genius Sports is looking at how do I communicate to you when Jalen Acklin and the Ottawa Red Blacks are playing and where. Right. That's a key to getting more Americans engaged in the CFL. A lot of these players, if you're a fan or an alum of a university, you remember watching them. Zach Kolaris was a star yeah. at Cincinnati. How many people in, in that market know where he is now? But if they right. can reach out to, to people in Cincinnati and say, hey, Zach Kolaris is a two-time reigning MOP of the CFL, this game is going to be on Friday night mm-hmm. on ESPN+. Plus. Check yeah. it out. Yeah, that's That's where we're trending. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same over in Japan. I do the Gridiron Japan podcast. And uh, one of our friends of the show is Aaron Ellis, who played college football at um, University of St. Francis and Joliet. Uh, really about, a, you know, I lived on, I lived like right next to campus way back when. Um, but anytime he plays internationally, whether it be over here for the Dentsu Caterpillars or over in Europe where he's at right now, always something kind of kicked out there's always there's there's a bit of fan engagement um even with the teams that he plays for just to kind of get it out there so um hopefully they do and that's kind of brings up another part of that too do you see listen there's a lot of fan created stuff out there on youtube we've all seen it but is the cfl going to ever create a cfl films subsidiary and try to grow try to market it the cfl the way the nfl markets the league and even now with the way the xfl is doing trying to putting compelling story because football in in, in essence is all about story too are they do you you see that happening in in the near future my gut feeling is no and i'm just wasn't NFL film started independently and then sort of got absorbed? It was. The NFL? Yeah, it was way back when because Ed Sable was thinking outside the box. And yeah, I mean, that was back. I mean, we just, he, he, he kind of foresaw the future. And if it weren't for NFL films, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I mean, I, I shipped over one of the first, one of the things that I, I had two ways of shipping stuff by sea and by air. All my NFL film stuff went by air because I didn't trust it. I did not want it to fall into the ocean. <laughs> so, um, but for instance, you've got a guy on YouTube, CFL Fan Thirty One. His who's anybody who's listening to this is you've probably watched some of his stuff. He puts out great stuff, a lot of fan stuff. But and I, it, to me, I always get frustrated when I don't see it come from the league. But you know, there's been good stuff put out by TSN, by other. Um, video makers over the years so i'm sorry I'm, cfl I'm is getting there though uh, yeah. marshall ferguson did a lot of hits prior to free agency he's going to do a lot more for the league prior to the draft the cfl is as i said they're slowly right working their way toward this the league is just i think it's because it's such a small league they're not risk takers in the same way that maybe the nfl is right and they 
they're they're constantly trying to make sure they know what they have before they step out and do something different. Now, this is where genius sports is really off the map because as Heath mentioned, CFL Ventures, that's a joint product of the two sides working together. And and Genius Sports is invested to to not only work with the CFL, but to make money off the CFL. Yeah. I, I think as far as youth engagement, they're looking at new ways. I, one of the positives, I guess, if you can say there's anything positive to coming out of a canceled 2020 season was they the league had to look at what the future is going to be. And they've engaged massive TikTok stars. Now I, I can't name them. I'm in my forties and uh, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to be able to name them, but I know that we were, we're at a game. A, listen, we're we're all of an age where uh we shouldn't be having tiktok on our phones period just you know that's a younger that's a younger person's game when it comes to to some of that stuff so i apologize that's okay we we were at a game at mosaic in in regina and there was a, a tiktok star doing some sort of promo video that they showed on the stadium and it was actually going out to all of his tiktok followers as well and it was in the millions of followers mm-hmm I'm sure that was paid content. The CFL reached out to this person and said, Hey, can you do this? And, you know, but anything like that is going to help. Right. Um, you know, you, you look at TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, how do we engage the youth? And I know friends that have kids that don't even ever watch TV. They just spend all their time on YouTube and there's, there's YouTube stars with millions and millions of followers. Yeah. If you can find the right ones that are going to talk about CFL football, Right. That, that's going to draw some eyeballs to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I just, it's, and again, I'm of an age and I'm 55. So I guess maybe that, that, you know, I'm that old guy now shaking his fist, yelling at, you know, <laughs> it's like, why can't thing, why, why, why? But again, it goes back to what you said, YouTube, TikTok, everything that is the wave of the future. Um, so talking about the future, let's talk expansion. We've got the 10th team hanging out there that's been out there dangling in front of our eyes for, is it, how many decades is it going on now? It was in right. the eighties for 1984. sure. Okay. All right. So you, coming up 40 years. Do you see any movement on it coming up in the, in the, in the next couple of years? Again, the pandemic really sidetracked all of that momentum. Right. I would think that the league is still highly motivated to get that 10th team. It makes scheduling so much simpler. The most likely scenario that I can see is they're going to have to have somebody step up and say, look, we're going to put up a stadium or modify one of the existing stadiums that we have on the East coast and the Atlantic schooners could come into being in the next five years, maybe the next right. 10 years, more likely. Right. And obviously building a stadium is no, no small expense. And I would think out in that neck of the woods in the Maritimes, people aren't keen on using public money to, to build a stadium for, for a sports team. Unless you can tie it to something else. No. And, right. and that would be federal money for say a Commonwealth games or something. And then you could certainly parlay that into a yeah. stadium. They're talking about, uh, BC did this in 2010 when uh, there was massive renovations of BC Place. They built a temporary stadium. Yeah. And that worked fantastically. The People really enjoyed the experience. The the attendance was huge. Yeah. 
Yeah, this I is remember. something that they're talking about with with uh, Halifax and right. and Moncton. What about using one of the college stadiums but putting up temporary stands, yeah. increasing the numbers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember watching. I think that yeah, that was kind of when the the CFL was starting to be shown on American TV during that time period. Yeah, you'd see huge crowds at BC at at the temporary stadium, and when you go back and then you look at those crowds and then look at you know, Empire Stadium, the you know, all the old history. It's like, oh yeah. I mean, you know, for me as a as a history guy, as a football history guy, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Um so yeah, to be able to do that, I mean, because there is there is a I mean, there is a demand for it. Um with that on YouTube yeah. on YouTube, uh, Calgary Stampeder Classics is a great one to follow because yeah, he does a lot of vintage football games, complete mm-hmm. games that you can watch from start to finish. I love watching games from the 1960s, uh, Alouettes and and Rough Riders or Argonauts and Tiger Cats, and just the way the game was described, the way the television coverage was, it was far simpler. Replays were live action, not slowed down. It it was just a different time as the technology was starting to burge and the league was out there. They went for it. Unfortunately, most of the uh, the copies of the games from back then, even though the games were shown in color, they didn't copy them in color. Right. So they're typically coming out in black and white. But, but you get that feel. Fun to watch. You get the feel of what it was like. You know, you sit there, like, when I'll pull up an old Monday night football game from the 70s with Howard Cosell, I'm, like, I'm just sitting there. I'm 12 years old again. It's like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. And, and there are a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of younger people out there who do appreciate the history. So just to me, and it's like, I just wish the CFL would push that history out more because it's such a great, it's such a great league. It's such a great history. I mean, listen, of all the leagues that I follow, the CFL is my number one league always has been. That's right. The reason why I created that, my, my CFL America account on Twitter, because I love the CFL. I mean, there's just, there's just so much. Um, And it's also a league too, where, you guys were at the great when you guys go to Grey Cup, you guys meet people from all over. It's a it's a communal event. Everybody who I've talked to, I have unfortunately not been to a Grey Cup, but I mean, how, how many times have I heard from you, Don? Hey, come on up to the Grey Cup this year. Yeah, come on up to the Grey Cup. Um, it, it's it's not like in the, in America where you know you can't afford a ticket. I mean, tickets tickets can be had to the Grey Cup if you want to go, um, and you don't have to sell your house to. <laughs> to attend to attend a game so one final thing i wanted to talk to you guys about and that is about how to watch the cfl i know before we hit the record button i was gonna save this i was telling you i was kind of loading this round into the chamber okay so the cfl is on tsn up there um and obviously it's not available over the air you've got to have a cable Sub, or satellite subscription package to watch CFL, correct? Yes. Okay. So, like, for instance, when Saskatchewan is... Uh, so you, you're not getting Saskatchewan... You've got to have... Because in, in the United States, for instance, when the Bears are on Monday night football, but they're on ESPN, the rule is that the game will be available free over the air. So... When the when the Bears are on Monday Night Football 
Sometimes they're on WGN in Chicago, other times WLS. You guys don't have that. It's every every game is a national game. Yes. Correct. And and one of the nice things with the CFL is we don't have overlapping games. The schedule, because there's only True. at max four games a week, yeah. we can roll them out individually. So right. it's not like a, an NFL Sunday where you're trying to decide if you're watching that Vikings Packers game or you're watching that Cowboys Eagles game, which one has the most draw to you. Mm-hmm. You can watch each game. Right. The downside to having that exclusive partnership with TSN is, as you said, there are no over-the-air games. It's all part of a package. TSN is also owned by Bell Media, which owns CTV, which is a national broadcaster and over-the-air broadcaster. Those of us that are CFL diehards are basically pleading to get them back on, on the airwaves on CTV as well as a way to draw more people to it right. well and yeah. they wouldn't lose people i mean that's kind of the thing i'm like okay well they're not going to lose viewers they're only going to gain viewers and again this is something i mean i i'm all of us I'm like okay what what's the business decision here i mean nfl games are are nfl games available free on ctv over the year yes okay. yeah including playoff games and we also most of our cable packages include a lot of the american networks as well so there's no right. shortage of ability to watch nfl football in canada um <laughs> uh, well that's what I, when we were in canada um some of the hotels had american tv and i told my wife no no turn ctv on or CB, cbc on because i, I got to get away from the noise so i i apologize for my countrymen uh, bombarding you guys with all kinds of our 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 media and probably a lot of our news crap too. So, <laughs> well, you can subscribe over the internet with uh, TSN. I think they're working on TSN Plus or TSN Go okay. Plus, which is another way to digest it. Uh, there's that you've always been able to watch TSN on your mobile phone, right? the The hard part about Canada is that a it's huge, and b there's so few of us, right? And with only two or three competing networks, how do you work out a deal where maybe multiples buy into an 81 game schedule? It's right. just, it's pretty tough. So when CBC was there, uh, they originally it was CBC and CTV, then it was CBC and TSN. And now TSN has had exclusive rights for almost 20 years. TSN does a fantastic job. They, they promote the league, but the, it would be nice to get another perspective and it's just hard to know if a CBC would be interested in coming back in. I don't know if the CFL would want to step on the toes of TSN and say, we'd like to open this up again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to even what you said earlier. I mean, Montreal, I'm sorry, Toronto is owned by MLSE. So there is a, there's a connection with all these entities and companies and, and, and media people. Um, And then with, so, I'm in Japan, so the CFL internationally, they do have a package, at least they usually do every year. It seems like it's always agreed to like minutes before kickoff of the first game of the CFL season. Um, In terms of the international presence with the CFL um, on the internet, so it goes back to, you know, I was telling you guys before before we started recording, Grey Cup game, I bought the Grey Cup game for, uh, I think it was like $5 or something to be able to watch on on the international provider. And then I go, I have it on, 
and it just it was skipping constantly it was such poor streaming quality and you know my my service provider it's actually you know his japanese service provider softbank high speed data so i'm like okay and i try i'm like it's still the same thing um do you foresee is there any been has there been any rumblings about how the cfl is going to market itself outside of north america or are i mean cuz that also that service provider also covers u sports which is another hidden gem that people don't get to see really even in canada cfl 2.0 was part of the push to change all of this so that they could get a bigger international presence not only to recruit international talent but also to broaden the horizons as it were and get the game to more people the the thing that baseball did i thought was quite inventive and i would like to maybe see if cfl and tsn could work out a deal where baseball you can watch games just on regular youtube right and why not have that or apple tv or something else like have it on another platform prime uh, mm-hmm. that you could that you could use to get your audience to grow right right and now everything is streaming i mean let's over the air tv is great and i have it here but i'm in japan that's a whole nother story i mean it's it's all government you know there's there's nine channels and that's about it um but in the states you know people are cutting the cord and you know over the air but when it comes down to it we're all watching our pretty much watching our sports and everything usually now it's growing streaming 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 um yeah, why can't it, the CFL cut a deal? Say with Pluto TV, that's a good that's a good example because Pluto TV. I just read an article on them about how they're growing. They're part of they're part of CBS and everything, but it's available free. And to add that as a sports, just to have, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I just I'm I'm I guess I'm just scratching my head and and I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall when it comes to talk um, when it comes to reading about the CFL and media and getting the word out and being available to watch for people. The CFL has always been a little bit slow on the uptake on these types of things. The, the, the strength of the league is all is often hanging by a thread. It's a, we talked about as a small league in a yeah sparsely populated country. It's this fear of disaster if they try something new and it fails um, that might be still a little bit of a sting of the U.S. expansion of the '90s and and how that worked and and maybe set people back and and afraid to try something new. But I, I watched some MLB games on Apple TV last year to see what that broadcast was like, and it was fantastic. They had some new camera angles. They tried some different things, oh, okay. and you know, the more that the CFL can look at those options, the better. And there's so many different streaming options out there now. Yeah. Nobody's going to have a, a difficulty finding it if you put the content out. Right. I know the NFL did some stuff exclusively on Prime this past year mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Yeah. Right? It's it's there. You've just got to yeah. be willing to take the risk and figure out how to do it. Right. You know, it goes back to what you're saying um, about baseball. I know um, just this morning I was looking at a promo. The World Baseball Classic starts next month. And it's uh, that's a huge thing here in Japan. But 
in Japan, all the Japanese games are going to be on Amazon Prime, apparently. Uh, so good thing I have I bought that Prime membership here because <laughs> without it, yeah, yeah, it's, it'd be hard getting computer parts for me too. So, but this, but this is the thing I was going about YouTube though. Yeah, baseball is I think about maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, putting games on YouTube, just gen- regular YouTube. You don't have to have YouTube TV, just regular YouTube, and. Why not the CFL? Why not have the TSN broadcast punched out into YouTube and let people consume it that way? Yeah, I know that maybe TSN doesn't get revenue in terms of subscribers, but is there a way that they could figure that out that YouTube could right. pay them a little bit for it? And with that said, that is a small, I mean, that's that's one of those like long-term investments too. By getting the exposure out now, yeah, this investment is not going to pay off like next year, but say in 20 years from now, when you've got this whole group of fans that are demanding, you know, when we're in our seventies and our sixties, you've got this whole new group in that's going to keep that league. That Again, it's all about building that fan base. And, and, and there's also the issue too of, you know, we have no CFL video game, but uh, <laughs> You guys have probably you guys have seen me harp on that about Twitter, harp on Twitter about that. But with that said, we're all the same age. We remember finally remember Tecmo Bowl. Uh, there is a Tecmo Bowl version of the CFL available for free at TecmoBowl.org. Shameless plug. Make no money off of this for it, but it's just a great site, and you know I can go relive my uh, my dorm days in college college at western illinois (laughs) so well gentlemen let's uh wrap it up here um where can everybody find the third down gamble podcast and before you guys do that let me just say about the third down gamble podcast when i first found you guys this has been several years ago it was just one of those where i just stumbled on it i'm like huh huh been a fan ever since i try to listen as much as i can i've kind of fallen off obviously with the move and everything um you know, trying to, trying to listen to more CFL podcasts. But when I found you guys, you guys were like a breath of fresh air listening to, to you guys talk and just the way you guys approach the game, the perspectives you bring in, it's just, it's very, anal- it's, it, it, it's, 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 I, I kept coming back to it, kept coming back to it. Cause again, you guys bring a very fresh perspective. You guys are fans. You guys go to the games. You love the CFL and it comes through on every episode. And you guys, even more importantly, are students of not only the students of the game, but students of history. So I just wanted to say thank you for all the hours upon hours I've enjoyed listening to you guys. Well, thank you very much. That's uh, very appreciated by us. Yeah. Uh, Pat Mooney, who's our other host, uh, Heath Graham and myself, Don Charbon, we've, it's been four years now of doing this. It's been a blast. Uh, I, I'm surprised that, uh, it's gone as easily in a sense that it has, but we've developed a, a good following and uh, we're happy to keep going. We're, we're weekly, even in the off season. Uh, sometimes we'll be coming up with uh, special guests. JC Abbott of three down nation was on last week. Mike Hogan, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts yeah. radio broadcast is going to be out next week. Mike's a great guy. He's, oh, he's fantastic. And we've, we've talked to all kinds of different people states canada it doesn't really matter so long as you're talking football we're good with it yeah yeah and i know you guys had me on your show so i do this i do appreciate it 
Yeah, it's been a long time. It seems like that's been forever ago. Of course, that was a whole other continent away from me now at this point. And, <laughs> and uh, where can everybody find you guys um, on the web and on, on social media? The podcast is at Third Down Gamble. Um, myself, I'm at Don Charbon, but I'm not much of a follow. Heath is probably more exciting. So we are 171 episodes into the podcast now. Um, hosted by Podbean, but available on Apple Podcasts and most other podcast networks. And I am at the Lethal 13, but Lethal spelled incorrectly, L-E-A-T-H-A-L 13 on Twitter. Okay. And that's that's the only place you want to follow me. I have an Instagram, but I don't I think I've posted two things in over several years. So well, I I I, I host the Gridiron Japan podcast, or co-host the Gridiron Japan podcast, and we have an Instagram page, and I think we got two pictures on there. I guess maybe it's just like, I don't know what to post. It's Instagram. I uh, But on Twitter, that's the great thing about Twitter. It just gets the word out, and hopefully Twitter is going to be around for a long time, but who knows? It could uh, We could watch the news tomorrow, and we'll all be locked out of our Twitter accounts the way Elon Musk is going with it, so... All right. Well, listen, hey, everybody, thank you very much for listening. And we will, uh, and this again, this is Greg James. I'm at CFL America on Twitter. And um, you can also find, I've started a new, or redid an old Twitter account, but for, for Gridiron America, it's Gridiron America at America Gridiron on, on, uh, on Twitter. With that said, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. And uh, for everybody else listening, we will be talking to you very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> We'll kick off for victory, cheer them on to the great apart. Lusty men of energy, down the field on the great apart. They'll kick off for victory, as we cheer to the great apart. Leading grid teams you will see, down the field on the great Football fans win.